Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Good morning. How's everybody doing? The top of the morning to you. And the balance of the day to myself. Well, um, the message today is the cross and the clay. Uh, Before we get into that, I want to spend a moment and talk a little bit about Ukraine and then pray for Ukraine. Uh, I know it's been on our hearts and minds. Uh, My wife and I, Kathleen, we have dear friends who are missionaries in Ukraine uh, at a YWAM base. We, uh, Sharon and Ruslan Borodine, and Sharon's actually from northern Idaho where we lived and pastored for many years. And uh, she's right up there from our region in Priest Lake, Idaho. And 20 years ago, she went to Ukraine and she met a Ukrainian and they got married and then they became missionaries. And so they have a YWAM base over there currently that is helping people right now. And we've been in contact with Sharon and basically... uh, you know, they're, they're heartbroken, but, but they're also seeing the power of God move in various ways over there. And many people are being ministered to. And I've been over there twice to Ukraine ministering uh, in various places in Kiev and, and in um, the YWAM base that they have. And I have a couple of pictures that I want to kind of relate to you and kind of show you I think it's very important that we have kind of a, even a biblical historical understanding of some of the Christian movement in Ukraine. And so this first one, uh, this first photograph is actually the Crimea in the Ukraine, if we can bring that up there on the screen. And I took this photograph. This is down at the very bottom of the Crimea, which is in the Ukraine. And that is the Black Sea that you see there. That road, believe it or not, is an ancient Roman road that goes all the way to Rome from the very bottom of Ukraine. And those foundation stones on those buildings are there from like 1800 years ago. And what they would do is they would put clay on top of those and then they would put thatch roofs on top of that. And all of that's been washed away. But this goes on for very long, far in the, in the uh, coastal line there of the Black Sea. And why is that? Because uh, 2000 years ago, Andrew, who was actually talked about in the video, amazingly enough, nobody ever talks about Andrew. Andrew led his brother Peter to the Lord, which by the way, if you only lead one person in your life to the Lord and it ends up being a Peter, wow, that you've really done an amazing thing. But, but Andrew did much more than that. He traveled, get this, all the way from Jerusalem, all the way down to that area, uh, right there. And, uh, in Colossians 3.11, it, it calls it by the name Sathia. 
Scythia. They, they were Scythians. And, and basically, the, the Greeks and the Romans called them barbarians, but the Jews called them Scythians. And he traveled all the way there, and he preached the gospel. And so this whole community of believers along the coast there, they, they, are, they were there, and they are there today because Andrew went there 2,000 years ago and preached the gospel. And so it's just amazing what was accomplished over there. He ends up be, being the patron saint of Ukraine, of Russia, uh, also of Greece, by the way. Now, this next uh, picture that you see is of Andrew. And notice that he has an X-shaped cross. That's because he was crucified on an X-shaped cross. And so in the early church, anytime you saw an X-shaped cross, it stood for Andrew. Everybody understood it was for him and, and for the fact that we need to be followers of Christ, just as he was a follower and very close to Christ. And then this final uh, picture that I have here is actually, I call it the three Andrews. This is about a hundred yards from the picture that I showed you of the Crimea. And you can see the guy up there in the middle, that's actually Andrew, who went there 2,000 years ago. But then the one on the right is our youth pastor from Northern Idaho who went with me. This photo was taken maybe 2004. And, and basically, his name was Andrew, so I put him up there. And then the guy on the left was a man that I met from Russia who started communicating with me in the 1990s. He has an amazing testimony. And he received one of the Bibles from our church after the Berlin Wall came down. And he wrote me in broken English because he used a dictionary to figure out how to write a letter. And so imagine me getting a letter that's written out from a dictionary. But anyway, we started communicating. I went over there and ministered to him. And then and then he went with me various places. Well, his name is Andrew, so I put him up there uh, as the three Andrews. But, you know, it's kind of amazing. Now, I do want to pray for the Ukraine, but I also want to show you this. You probably have seen one of these before, but this is a piece of the Berlin Wall. And from the late 1980s. Now, how many of you remember when the Berlin Wall came down? I mean, it was one of the greatest events in the second half of the, of the 20th century. I think every television was on as we watched it crush and crumble to the ground. And freedom happened in that part of the world. And, and missionaries were lined up, ready to go into Russia. I mean, many of us know those stories or know those people that were actually lined up and ready to go in. But but uh, this represents freedom, of course. Um, political freedom, to be sure. Uh, emancipation of freedom. But so I want to pray for... Uh, Ukraine. I want to pray for it in a couple of different ways. So certainly we want to see freedom, but also I want to see freedom uh, to the people of God. I want to see freedom uh, to the people of that area that they will come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so would you please stand with me? And I want to pray right now uh, for those people over there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today and uh, you know what? I, I want to do something different. Were you just, wherever you're at right now, will you just start praying out for the Ukraine? Just in your own, in your own language, just for like 20 seconds or so before we pray. Just start praying out for the people of Ukraine. Just, just lay it on the Lord. Just pray out on behalf of those people over there. Oh. Yes, Father God. 
Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon that portion of the world. Father, we do pray for protection for the people over there. We do pray, God, that you will just bring healing to that part of the world. And we pray for peace, Father God. Lord, we pray for freedom in that area of the world. Father, we also pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon the Christians over there. And I pray that many people will come to know you as Lord and Savior, that many people will break out and come to know you as Lord and Savior. I pray for miracles to happen, Father God, for the fruits of the Spirit to be poured forth in that part of the world, Father God. Lord, let there be an emancipation of the Spirit of God in that part of the world. I pray for our friends, Ruslan and Sharon, God, that you will use them, Father, that you will use the YWAM base, that you will protect them, that many people will be reached by them, Father, and that you will minister through them. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, God is our potter. Uh, My thesis today is God is the potter who desires to mold the clay of our character and our lives so that we can experience the overcoming resurrection power through Christ Jesus. One of the songs that we sang was about the resurrected king resurrecting us, right? That was amazing. It was like they preached my message right there. Because if you simply get that in your lives, that's what it's all about today. The resurrected king resurrecting his life in us. Praise God. Now, please repeat this after me. God is the potter, and I am the clay. Say it one more time. God is the potter, and I am the clay. Now, say it with a smile on your face, okay? God is the potter, and I am the clay. (laughs) You know, we want him to come, and we want him to mold us, and to make us, and to shape us, and to turn us into what he wants us to be. We kind of resist that at times. It doesn't feel good at times, but that's who we are. That's who he has called us to be. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you our potter, and all we are the work of your hand. Now, (laughs) this is where it gets to be interesting, because basically... There's something very liberating. Please say the word liberating. Liberating. There's something very liberating in knowing that you are not in charge, in knowing that you are not in control, in knowing that you only have so much authority and power to change not only your own life, but to influence the lives of others. How many of you would agree with that? Yeah, there's something very liberating about that. On the other hand, (laughs) there's something very frustrating about not having control, about not having power, about not having authority to change not only our own destiny, but to change the destiny of others. And you know, there is this constant tension between those two things that happens in our lives that I think God actually instrumentally puts in our lives and kind of shapes us through it. He kind of brings us to this humility because we can only do so much. And I read somewhere that uh, a missionary said that the word humility comes from 
the root word humus, H-U-M-U-S, which actually means clay or dust. And so basically, in our clay, our dust, uh, you know, basically like the old song Kansas used to sing, we are dust in the wind, you know. Well, basically, that's kind of true. But we are God's dust, you know. God is making us into what he wants us to be. Now, the biblical authors sometimes use the concept of God as the potter to show his sovereignty and his power. And this has led to endless theological debates between predetermination and free will. You know, and it just goes back and forth uh, forever. Free will, predetermination. Is everything predetermined or is everything free will? And any of you that like to study theology or philosophy, you know that there's two poles that are there and somehow we end up between them or at the extreme ends of them. However, I think it's quite interesting that in the scripture all over the place, God puts pretty lengthy passages about free will, that we have free will choice. So how does that all work? You know, how is it that there's a great God who is sovereign over everything, but yet there is free will choice? Well, I'll tell you, because I'm smart. <laughs> he created systems in which mankind is free to choose within those systems and then to live with the consequences. And so let me give you an example. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Please say that with me, freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So we see, here's freedom of choice. Here it is, within the parameters that God has set. You know, there were a lot of trees in that garden. And isn't it amazing? He said, of all the trees that are in here, including the tree of life, by the way, that was not withholden from them until after they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because then if they ate of it, they would be trapped in that existence forever. And so basically it says that in Genesis chapter three, the end of it. And so basically we see um, that they had freedom of choice of all of the different trees that were out there to eat and also the tree of life. But then what happens? Well, we know in chapter three, a few things happened. Adam and Eve did something wrong. Or was it just Eve that did it wrong? Not sure. Okay, how many of you believe that Eve was the one who blew it? I got saw some hands there, okay. <laughs> Only a couple of bold men, but <laughs> thanks, Steve. <laughs> How many of you think that Adam blew it? Oh, there's a few more hands there. How many of you think they both blew it? All right, that's, that's the correct answer right there. Well, what did they do? They were persuaded. Now, hear me carefully right now. They were persuaded by deceptive logic of the serpent. They were persuaded by deceptive logic of the serpent. Now, now that's bad, okay? That's a mistake. They shouldn't have even been listening to the serpent. However, what they did next was probably worse than that. 
they did not go to God to figure out if what the serpent said was true or not. They did not seek the counsel of the one who loved them, who had created them. And you know, how many times in our lives, folks, do we, as just even as Christians, sometimes we hear something someplace and it's not good for us. It's not coming from a good authoritative place. And rather than going to our father in heaven and seeking out the truth about it, we just go with it. Well, unfortunately, that is the mistake that they made. And they ate of the forbidden fruit, which led to death and basically everything changed. So they made the big mistake. Uh, now, what about free will? Why does God give us free will? We might say, well, it would be better if he didn't give us free will, but not really. Because basically, without free will choice, there is no true love of God. We, we know this. Without free will choice, uh, we are robots. And we basically are automatons or whatever they call them. And we, and we basically don't, can't really have true relationship with the Father. He doesn't, he doesn't know the difference between whether we would or whether we wouldn't. He doesn't know whether we love him or whether we don't. He doesn't know if we would freely choose him or if we wouldn't. And so basically, he gives us freedom of choice. And he also gives us the consequences to go along with that. And I'll tell you something, and maybe people would debate me. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe you won't believe me. That's okay. But, you know, I've been in the ministry for over 40 years, and I've kind of come to believe this. I do not believe that man had to fall away from God. I do not believe that God just kind of set it up for man to trip in the Garden of Eden so that suddenly he would come up with plan B. I actually believe that when man fell away from God, it broke God's heart. That he gave us real freedom of choice. Now, why is that important? Because I want you to understand the gravity and the, the true weight of what happened in the garden. It wasn't that God just set it up for us, knowing that we were going to fail and, and then had the plan all worked out. Of course, he understands things. He's got wisdom. He sees all the way down. He, he knows, but he actually wanted us to succeed. His hope was that we would succeed, that we would actually choose his way and not our way. And when we did not choose his way, it broke his heart. But he did not leave us there. He did not abandon us. As a matter of fact, he made a plan for us. And we see that he covered their nakedness with skins. It says in uh, Genesis 3.21, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now this is a significant verse. Because basically what they had done is they had gone out, they had gotten fig leaves and they had tied it around themselves because they suddenly realized they were naked after eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and evil. Well, God came and said, basically, take those off. And what he did was the very first sacrifice. And he clothed them in skins 
And this is emblematic of what would eventually happen. It was foreshadowing that Jesus Christ had to come on the cross to be the true sacrifice for all mankind because it says in the Bible that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so basically, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so basically, he died on the cross for you you and I, and for everyone, for everyone. So he covers us through his sacrifice. Now today, men are free to choose Jesus or not. And I know that's a hard word, but you know what? That is the reality of it. It is freedom of choice. We are free to choose him. We are free to reject him. Why? Once again, because he wants to know that we come to him of our own free will. Now, what is God's desire? 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men. Please say that with me, all men. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know who... Jesus desires to come to the knowledge of the truth? Everyone. The little children in the schools around here, all of them. The people in the supermarkets, the people in the businesses and in the churches and in the, uh, yeah, I say churches. You know, it's kind of amazing. Do you know that in the, in the 1990s there was a statistic done that only that 25% of the people that would come to a church actually didn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So yeah, I say the churches. Because basically, he wants everyone to come to know him as Lord and Savior. Everyone. In our Treasure Valley here, in every place all around the world. That is the characteristic of the God that we serve. And he wants to mold that characteristic into our life. He wants us to be that clay that is soft and moldable, that he can change and he can, he can mold with his hands and pour that into our hearts so that we have that same kind of characteristic that he came and sent his son to die for. Now, people have choices. It's not just about choosing God. It's about how we live. Okay, so, are you ready? Okay. So, people have the freedom, if they have the resources, to go and eat at McDonald's every single day of their life. Or Taco Bell. Or some other fast food restaurant. If they're willing to put up with the consequences. People have the freedom to choose to drive their cars like a maniac through Meridian and through this region around here in the streets at 100 miles an hour if they're willing to put up with the choices. People have the right to get up and kick their dog in the morning. How many of you love dogs? Okay. Or their cat. How many of you like cats? Okay, yeah. You know, there's more people in this service that like cats than the first service. You know, there were just a few, a handful in that service. I think that Pastor Chris is having a bigger effect upon them. But, but, basically, but basically, 
how we talk to people, how we treat our animals, how we treat our neighbors. We can say mean things to them. You know, we have the right to do that, but it's not good for us. Or we have the right and the, to choose to eat a healthier manner. How many of you like to eat healthy? Okay. We can drive our car at a reasonable rate. Wouldn't you like people to drive their cars at a reasonable rate? Maybe just five miles over the speed limit. Maybe five miles over the speed limit to go to the fast food place just once or twice a week, you know? Not every day. And then to be kind to our pets, to be kind to the people around us. We are the clay. God is the potter and I am the clay. I took an art class one time and in college, I think it was, and I was never a great artist. I was okay, but I had never done anything with clay before. And so I fashioned this head, this little head out of clay and it was deranged. I mean, I just didn't, I just couldn't get it very well. It was kind of oblong and, and it was kind of hideous really. But, uh, and then I made a little plate for it underneath so that it could stand on it. And I fired it in the kiln and, uh, and I gave, and I painted it and I, I fired it and then I gave it to my mom. Right. <laughs> and what's she going to say? Oh, honey, that's beautiful. You know, I love it. She loved it because I made it right. But it was really a hideous thing, but you know, and then my son made one too later on and he gave it to his mom, but his was nicer than mine. Um, but I've got a question for you. Have you ever felt that the Lord has grounded you like powder? Kind of like put you in the mortar and the pestle, I think it's called, and just kind of ground you out. Um, has he ever reduced you to the smallest level of what you knew? Now, he didn't intend to kill you. That wasn't his design. He just wanted to take you through the testing and the fires. He wanted to, he wanted to create something good in you. He wanted to mold you and shape you. And, 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 when he, and when he had done what he needed to do, it was like he blew away all of that stuff that wasn't supposed to be there in you. You know, it says in the Old Testament that God refines the gold like seven times. Do you know that each time that the gold is refined, it brings a new level of dross to the surface each and every time, a new level of dross, and it becomes purer and purer and purer and purer. Well, God's taking you through all seven of those. And sometimes we're, it's painful. Sometimes we're like, oh God, what are you doing in me? But you know, sometimes he gets to feelings that we have. How many of you make mistakes? Is there anybody in here who does not make mistakes? You know, he, how many of you have faulty characters? Is there anybody in here who does not have a, actually only like a third of you have faulty characters. Okay. Um, 
Well, I've got a faulty character. But he, he, he takes us through the grinding, through the process. And he gets us down to the roots. And maybe it's associated with a bad habit. You know, maybe, our, maybe, our, maybe it's insecurities in our lives. He wants to give us security. Maybe it's, it's something in our life. We're, we're, we don't have enough faith. He wants to build up our faith. Sometimes he wants to open us up to understand that he can do great miracles in our lives. Sometimes he wants us to grow up in our life. He wants to mature us. That all is a part of the process of the refining that he does in our lives. It's because we are his children and he wants the best for us. I think this is how Job felt when he said in Job 10:9, I remember I pray or remember I pray that you have made me like clay and will turn me into dust again. I think this is how David probably felt when he said in Psalm 51, 10 and 11, this is when David, remember, he had sinned with Bathsheba and suddenly he's before the Lord and he's crying out in repentance. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I think this is how Job and I think this is how David probably felt. He, God knew what they needed, and he knew when they needed it. Uh, he knew also what Joseph needed. He knew the circumstances surrounding Joseph and why Joseph was going to be sold into Potiphar's house in Egypt and how Joseph was going to be delivered up to the jail and how in the jail, through a series of miracles, he was then going to go to be with Pharaoh and to become second only in Egypt. He also knew, God knew, the circumstances that would surround Joseph as he would eventually come to be before his brothers again and to receive his entire family. God knew all of that. God knew the circumstances that would raise Esther up to become queen and that would save the Jewish people from annihilation at the hands of Haman. God knew... Um, about Lydia and the spiritual needs of Lydia when he gave Paul the Macedonian call and the vision one night to send him to uh, Philippi rather than to go to Asia. You know, God knows the story in your life. He knows the circumstances in your life. He knows the ins and outs of your life. He knows everything that is going on in your life. He knows what it's going to take to get you or me to that perfect point so that we can be open to him, so that we can open up our hearts and we can say, not my will, O oh God, but your will be done. Amen. He knows exactly what is necessary to get us to the point where we can cry out to him and say, oh God, please help me in this moment of time. And then he comes and he brings deliverance at that time. He knows exactly what we need. I think it's kind of interesting because we see that, that Jesus tested the disciples. It says in John 6, 5 and 6, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> How many of you like to be tested? How, Zach, do you like to be tested? <laughs> how, how many of you basically have, have ever uh, woken up in the morning and said, today, God, I would like you to test me. 
Maybe we should do that sometime. Oh God, I feel like today I need a new test. That's kind of like saying, Lord, give me more patience. And he will. And sometimes we need that. But basically, whether we ask God to test us or not, he will test us. And why? Because he wants to know what we're made of. You've probably heard this analogy before, but God wants to know whether you're made of oak or whether you're made of veneer. Because you can dig beneath the surface and is it pure oak or is it just on the surface? And so he wants to go underneath. He wants to see what his children are made of because he wants to test us. He wants us to embody his purposes for our lives. And so he brings us to a place where we surrender who we are and we say, less of me, God, and more of you. May I decrease that you might increase. And he wants to increase in our lives. Now, <laughs> I love this. God is so creative. He is a creative genius. He knows exactly what you need. So think about this. Okay, say this with me. Fireflies. How many of you have ever seen fireflies? I did not see fireflies until I was 30 years old. And they are amazing. We don't have any over here but they have them on the East Coast. How about hummingbirds? You guys like hummingbirds? Think about the creative genius of God. How about shooting stars and, and starfish and, and, and all kinds of like horses and, and things like that. It's just amazing. Think of sunsets and, and all of the amazing things in the universe that are around us. And then there's tacos and ice cream and all kinds of things that God has created that are so good that I personally love. Well, guess what? You are more valuable to him than all of those things. And the way that he created you, he has designs and he has plans for your life. He has destiny for you. He, for each and every single one of you, he has destiny. He wants to pour out his destiny into you. You are the clay. You are the vessel. And he has a destiny. He has a plan. He has a purpose that is bottled up and stored there for each and every single one of us. And he wants, he wants us simply to open up to him. And he wants to pour it into our lives. And sometimes, yeah, it's a little bit painful. But that's what God does. It's, he is molding and shaping all of his children into those who are the sweet fragrance of Christ to both the believers and non-believers. Let's read this again. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Please say the word triumph. triumph. In Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance. Get this. Of his knowledge in every place. Verse 15 is so powerful. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. This is an amazing concept. You are the presence of Christ as you walk around other people, the presence of Christ. And this is an amazing thing. Do not underestimate the presence of Christ in your life. 
I mean, I mean, just the presence of Christ, just the presence of the Spirit of Christ inside your life can actually be a light to others around you. You don't even have to say anything at sometimes. You're just the witness of the Spirit of Christ as you walk around and you do whatever it is you do in your daily events. That's how God planned it. Basically, you are the clay. He puts the presence of Christ inside of you and you walk around. And for those, and by the way, uh, the, the, uh, the words change in verse 14 and 15. In verse 15, when it talks about the word um, savor or the word fragrance, fragrance is basically talking about a sweet smell. So it's a sweet smell of Jesus Christ in your lives. And so to those who are believers, guess what? You are an encouragement to those around you. But to those who are unbelievers, you are holding a life preserver. You are holding something that can save their lives. And, and they see it in your life. They, they understand it's there. They, they see it. And eventually, hopefully, it beckons to them. But you are that to them. He is molding and shaping all of his children into those who are treasures, displaying both the death and the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4.11, it says, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. This is pretty amazing. Now, how is this? How is it that inside of us there's this death and this life? Well, I'll tell you. It says in Luke 9, 23, then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, this is a hard word. Jesus told us to take up our cross daily. Well, what does that look like? What is that cross in our lives? Well, I believe it represents the responsibilities that we have as Christians to shine the light of Jesus Christ in our, uh, in our families, uh, among our workmates, in our lives, as we, it's our responsibilities of our lives. It's the things, you know, you could just kind of let it all go, right? You could just let it all go. You could, you could go, no, I'm not going to do that today. No, I'm not going to pay my rent you know, I'm not going to show that kind of characteristic. No, I'm not going to uh, go and pick that person up that I said I would pick up. No, I'm not going to say this kind word to somebody that I should say to this individual. No, I'm not going to raise my children in the way I should do. No, I'm going to, I'm just going to do a me type of thing. We could say that, right? But then it would not be the characteristic of Christ in our lives. It would not be what God wants to do in our lives. And that is bearing the cross. That is picking it up. Now, this is where it gets amazing. Because if you, and please hear me right now, if you do not pick up the cross, you will not have the resurrection power. If you do not pick up the cross, you will not have the resurrection power. It's only through the cross that you get the resurrection power. It's only through laying your life down that you get the resurrection power. You must, you must, you must, you must pick up your cross. You must pick up your cross so that other generations will see you pick up the cross. You must pick up your cross so that people around you see that there are people in the world that are willing to carry their cross. 
You must pick up your cross. You must say, yes, I will, whatever that is, whether it is going to the four corners of the world or whether it is speaking into that person's life when you don't feel like it or whether it is writing that letter to somebody who God puts upon your heart or whether it is simply witnessing to the person at the, at the thrift store when you go in, whatever it is, you must pick up your cross. You must be willing to pick up your cross and to do that which God has called you to do. Otherwise, we are only ever one generation away from being non-essential. We must pick up the cross because through the cross comes resurrection power. Through the cross comes the miracles that will happen in your life. It's through that that the miracles happen. It's through that. Come on, that was good. That was good. There was a woman who lived 500 years ago in France. I can't say enough good things about her. Her name was Madame Guillon. And she was, she was famous back then. We don't even know about her today. But she was fabulously wealthy. She was an aristocrat. And because God came to her and told her to give away her vast fortune, she did it. And she just shocked everybody in her world. And she followed Christ. And she wrote many amazing books, but she said this, here is a true spiritual principle that the Lord will not deny. God gives us the cross and then the cross gives us God. When we pick up that cross, God comes to us. And we are not to lose heart that the outward man is perishing because the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, molding can be painful. God puts us in situations that can be so frustrating. I just want to tell you a few stories about me that uh, were frustrating times in my life. One happened when I was a young man before I met Kathleen. And I was living in northern Idaho area. And I was fighting fires in the Forest Service. And I'd been offered another job to actually uh, work in education. It was my first teaching offer at a halfway house for wayward teens. And that night I had to kind of pray about it and decide. And it was like 1130 at night on a Sunday night in Spokane. And there was only two gas stations open because it was during the middle of the gas crunch. And I had had five flat tires in the space of two weeks to the point where my flat was, where my spare was flat. And I only had $3.50 in my checking account because I'd spent it all on tires. And God told me that I was going to have a flat tire and that he was going to test me. And just after he spoke those words to me, bam, my tire went flat. Now, I got very frustrated. And I'm not going to tell you that whole story. I will tell you this, that eventually I came to the point where through prayer, after weeping, I opened up to God and he used signs and wonders to show me that he wanted me to take that job that he had prepared for me two years before that, that I didn't even realize. You know, God will use signs and wonders in your life, but you have to open up to God. You know, it's like there are these flashing signs in your life. And everybody has them, flashing signs in your life. Go this way, 
Go this way. Go this way. Do this thing. Do this thing. Do this thing. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Don't go this way. Go this way. These flashing signs in our lives, God will do them. Another time, in 2013, I had just arrived in Pakistan and I was in Lahore. And you know, we have schools over there, my ministry, many schools now, 24 schools. And, and, but as I was trying to get into Pakistan, basically, there was something wrong with my visa. So I'm there and I had brought a friend over who had never been to Pakistan before. And because there was something wrong with my visa, Within two minutes, suddenly, all of these armed guards came and escorted me back to the plane, and I, had to, and I was deported back to Dubai, that part of the world. Just imagine. And, and, so, and I had friends that were waiting there, ministry partners that were waiting there in Pakistan. And, and so I had to say goodbye to my friend, and I had to go back to Dubai. But you know, that wasn't the end of the story. I, I was so tired. It was late. I'd been up for like 30 hours. I got, a, I got a hotel room and I remember I slept for a couple of hours and then I got up and I was just weeping before the Lord and going, God, what's going on? You know, I mean, all of these plans and everything else, all these meetings and these, and these people that were going to come to these crusades and everything else. And God spoke to me right there and then. And he said, I'm going to get you into Pakistan, but it's going to be through my power. And, and within four days, one of my contacts there in Pakistan had gone to a government official, and lo and behold, I ended up getting a letter of invitation from none other than the government of Pakistan to come to Pakistan. So four days later, what the enemy meant for bad, God meant for good, and where the enemy stopped me at the gate, God catapulted me over the wall into Pakistan, and many people were saved during that trip. We started schools, people were healed, all kinds of events took place. You know, we sometimes want to write the end of the story and say it's all over. But we have a God who has all kinds of options in our lives. He has all kinds of options for our lives. There is never, never, never an ending when God is in it. I just am really kind of sensing that some of you right now are feeling like there's an end of something. Like you are up against something and there's no other way around. Like you've tried everything and you just suddenly are feeling like there's just no way through. There's just no way through that you can see. Is there anybody like that? I just, I just sense it. I just sense, yes, I see that hand. I see, I see those hands. Would you please stand up? Would you please stand up? I just, I just sense, I think there's even more of you. There's just, there's just something in where you have tried. I, I, this isn't a part of what I was even doing. God's just telling me to do it right now. So if that's you, please stand up. I just, I just sense it. I just sense it. I just sense it. Yep. I just sense it. I just sense it. I, yep, there's, there's more of you. I just, I just know. You've, you've tried. You've tried. But God has a way through for you. 
He has a way through for you. Now I want to do a little bit of old-fashioned body ministry right here. If you're around these people, I just want you to reach over, lay your hands upon them. We're just going to pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. We're just going to pray for them. And, and I just, those of you that are, are standing up, please, please open up your hands. Just lift them up to God. Open up your hands and lift them up to God. Father, in the name of Jesus. And those of you that are around, come on, let's just start praying for these people. Let's lift up our voices here. Just, just start praying for these people. We need a breakthrough here. We need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. Start praying for breakthrough. Start praying for breakthrough. God, bring breakthrough, I pray. Bring breakthrough, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Father, bring breakthrough. Breakthrough, I pray, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Breakthrough, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Father, do miracles, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Let there be new miracles, I pray, in the name of Jesus. New miracles, I pray, in the name of Jesus. There's, there's a heaviness over the room right now. We need to break this off. It says in the Old Testament that the, that the anointing uh, breaks the yoke. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will break the yoke. Yes. We pray that you will bring the anointing that will break the yoke. Yes. God, we pray that you will bring the anointing that will break the yoke. Father, break the yoke, we pray in Jesus' name. Break the yoke, we pray in Jesus' name. Let there be a great release in the name of Jesus. Let there be a great release in the name of Jesus. Father, break the yoke, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Let there be a release, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, bring new dreams, bring new visions, bring new empathy, bring new understanding, bring new anointing. Father, bring new fresh wind of the Holy Spirit into people's lives. Let there be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these people's lives. Crush the enemy, Father God. Crush the enemy and bring release, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Bring release, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Bring jobs, bring finances, bring health. Tear down the afflictions, we pray, in the name of Jesus. And let there be new spiritual renewal in the lives of these individuals. New breakthrough, we pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Release them, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. I want to end with one more story. And it happened in Kenya in 2011. You know, I was just in Kenya in December and the, the pastors there at uh, Kenya College of Ministry that this church started are just so appreciative for this church and for the support and for all of the years of ministry that have happened over there. But I was there in 2011 and one night it was just so dark and I can't even remember what happened, but I was under such spiritual attack from the enemy. And it was the middle of the night and I just started crying out to God. And I was alone that time. You know, it's probably always good to go to Kenya with somebody else, but I was alone that time. 
And, uh, and so it was the middle of the night and I was just kind of overwhelmed by this spiritual darkness. And so I started crying out to God and he led me to Philippians uh, chapter four, verse eight, uh, which says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Please say that last part with me. Meditate on these things. You know, these are the things that we need to fill our hearts up with. These are the things that we need to fill our lives up with. This is the character and the quality of God that he wants to put into that fragrance, you know, mix up in that fragrance. Now out of this, and I'm, I'm not much of a poet, but whether you would call this a poem or a prose or whatever, but, but this was 3 a.m. in the morning and suddenly my hand just started writing. I found a piece of paper and, and, it, and wrote this down because it occurred to me, I guess, that God was doing something amazing. Uh, even though I didn't see it, I knew that God was active and alive and doing things somewhere somewhere in the world, all the time, something's happening. And so I wrote this, it's called Right Now. And I just kind of want to close with this and then pray. Right now, somewhere in the world, someone is receiving salvation. This was my revelation. Like right now, someone is receiving salvation. Because God is a merciful and gracious God, someone obtains wisdom. In answer to prayer, another one gets knowledge to benefit a friend in need. One grows in faith to meet the challenges of an obstacle. People are receiving help from heaven to create inexplicable healings and wonder-filled miracles, utter prophetic words, discern the heart of another, speak an unknown language, or interpret the language being spoken. You know, those things are happening right now, somewhere in the world. This is happening to people. They're, for the first time, they're suddenly getting these things. It goes on. Right now, somewhere in the world, omnipotent God is delivering someone from madness, just like he did me many years ago. Annulling curses, driving out devils, bestowing blessings, unlocking the chains of prisoners in darkness. And he is breaking the gates of death that hold people captive right now. Right now, somewhere in the world, the Father delivers justice, the Son rescues sinners, and the Spirit empowers disciples. The great I Am revives hope, forges peace, and sh showers kindness. Jesus purifies the blood-stained soul and gives the joy of salvation to all seekers. He extends matchless love and, and eternal life to any who truly ask Him right now, somewhere in the world. I want you to realize that regardless of what we go through or what you face, right now somewhere in the world, God is pouring out. And sometimes he's not pouring out just over there. Sometimes he's pouring out right here. Sometimes he's opening us up to those miracles and those things that he's doing in our lives right now somewhere in the world. Now, I don't quite know how to end this. I just want to say a couple things and then we'll close. But basically, you know God loves you. You are the body of Christ. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are the body of Christ. And he is the potter and we are the clay. He is the potter and we are the clay. 
and he opens us up and he molds us and he shapes us because he wants to use us. Now, I'm about as lost as I was at the end of the last service, but um, I mean, how many of you would like to say, how many of you would say, yes, I'd like to be softer. I'd like my clay to be softer towards the Lord so that he can, he can shape me and minister to me. Okay. That's, that's, that's good. Okay. Let's stand up and let's make that our, our final prayer here today. And would you just, uh, in symbolic way, just lift your hands up to the Lord and, and, uh, just start asking him on your own, God, we just come before you right now. We just want you to mold us and shape us and make us and God, help us to be that tender, that soft clay. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will come and that you will fill these vessels up with the power of the living God and that your life in us and that your death in us would mold us and shape us and help us to be as you want us to be, Father God. Lord, you have plans, you have destinies for each one of these individuals. And I pray, pray right now that you would shape them and mold them and release them and release the fragrance of the presence of Christ in their lives as they go about their days, as they go about their Sunday, as they go about their Monday this week, as they go about their all of the days of this week, I pray for the presence of Christ in their lives that it would be that sweet, aromatic scent that would just be all over them in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for them so much. We love you, Lord. Bless you. Purify us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.